It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And good evening. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad that you're joining us. Tonight's Thursday night, September the 20th, and we're glad that you've chosen to be a part of the Virtual Bible Study tonight. My name is Greg Gwynn. I'm one of the regular participants on this study. My son Jacob, who normally emcees this program, is out of town tonight, and so I'm at the controls, and therefore you may have to be patient with me. I'm not too comfortable with these things, but we'll try our very best. We're looking forward to a good discussion. Joining, joining me on the program tonight is my good friend Chris Bates. Chris, welcome. Thank you, and thank again. thanks again to the elders here at College View for the opportunity to teach tonight on this subject. Well, Chris, uh, we've got what I think is an interesting subject for discussion tonight. We're going to be talking about racism. And actually, Chris, you sort of suggested this as a good subject for us to cover. i got to admit, I probably would have never thought of that being a a topic that we could spend an hour discussing. But as Mm -hmm. I've gotten into it and as I've thought more about it, as you and I have discussed it, there's just a lot to say about this topic, about racism, not just in general, but as to how it affects us as Christians and how we ought to react. Well, that's absolutely right. And, you know, there there are certain guidelines in the scriptures that are set forth for how we think, how we act, what we do uh, in life, and the implications that that carries with it, not only here but in eternity, when we stand before the Lord in judgment. And this subject promises to be uh, one of those subjects that we need to think more seriously and soberly about. Would you be willing to speculate? It would be purely speculation. Sure. We're not the judge, but would you be willing to speculate that there will be people who won't make it to heaven because of this problem in their life? Yeah, yeah I, I, I really am uh, satisfied that that is the case. Um, because when, when you boil down to the brass tacks of racism, we're talking about essentially a hatred and, and a thinking uh, of another individual on the basis of his race as if he were lesser of a human being before the very creator uh, who created the both of us. Uh, you know, I think of, of Paul's statement in, in the sermon at Mars Hill that he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. We all can trace our origin back to Adam. We're all kin. That's right, you know, in that respect. And, uh, you know, we... we uh, have no right to, if we're going to claim to believe the command to love your neighbor as yourself, to harbor what we understand to be racist thoughts and then expect to have the hope of heaven after, in the after a while. I think you're exactly right. We really want to get into that in our program tonight, and we're glad that you're listening. We hope that you'll participate. You can get in on this discussion by emailing us. The email address is questions at collegeview.com. Or you can give us a phone call. We think we've got our phone issues worked out from last week. We've got a toll-free number, 877-931, excuse me, 877-381-4567. Let me repeat that, 877-381-4567, and you can give us a call. Earlier today, I sent out to our update list a couple of questions, 
And we'd still like to get input from our listeners on these questions. Number one, what biblical argument do you think provides the most powerful line of reasoning to combat racism? Now, that question is based upon the presumption that all of us who are trying to serve God understand that racism is wrong. And if you don't believe that, you can call in, too. We'd love to hear from you. Sure, absolutely. But uh, assuming that you understand, as we do, that racism is wrong, what do you think, what Bible argument would you think would provide the most compelling case against the practice of racism? And then I also ask a question, and I don't know how many might be willing to to join in on this question, but I said briefly describe an incident from your own personal experience, someone you know, or some specific event that illustrates the right attitude towards those of various races. And I think that'd be interesting if someone wanted to participate in that. You know, racism, uh, Chris, is uh, it goes back a long way. I did a little bit of research on the Internet mm-hmm. today, and, and I found what I thought probably would be the case, that in the early days of evolutionary theory, mm-hmm. when evolution was just beginning to be propagated, many of those who believed in evolution had the notion that the races were the product of the evolutionary process and that some were more highly evolved than others. In fact, um, Charles Darwin, usually considered the, the father of evolutionary thought, wrote the famous book, The Origin of Species. I did not know that the subtitle of that book was, it was The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. Can you believe that? How about that? And in, in 1859, um, it says uh, the evolutionary schema raised additional questions, particularly whether or not Afro-Americans could survive competition with their white near relations. The momentous answer in the evolutionary community was a resounding no. The African was inferior. He represented the missing link between the ape and the Teuton. That's what the evolutionists were saying back then, 150, a little over 150 years ago. It sounds a lot like what some uh, folks are saying today, too, that are just so full of of hatred and prejudice. Um, and it really is a shame that uh, that people have made that argument through the year and, and through the years, and it just seems to. Uh, relegate certain races to nothing more than animals. Inferior status, for that's, sure. That's right. uh, there was a fellow, Henry Fairfield Osborne, professor of biology and zoology at Columbia University, fairly prestigious place. He was also the president of the American Museum of Natural History. Uh, and in, a, in an article in the publication Natural History, from 1926, so less than 100 years right. ago, this guy's an evolutionist. He says the Negroid, stock, the Negroid stock is even more ancient than the Caucasian and the Mongolian, as may be proved by an examination not only of the brain, the hair, the bodily characteristics, but of the instinct, the intelligence. The standard intelligence of the average adult Negro is similar to that of the 11-year-old oh. youth of the species Homo sapiens. And again, the, the article was entitled The Evolution of the Human Races in the publication Natural History. Isn't that amazing? Well, it is amazing. I mean, you, you, you again, you go on this presumption that as evolution takes place, each each end of a particular process represents a better and greater sophistication, and by their own words, at least by logical extension, you could suggest by what, that what they are suggesting is that the white man is so so high, uh, more fully and highly evolved than than is the black man, and I mean, it's just it is just so uh, uh, absolutely uh, um, 
What would I, the, the word I'm looking for is atrocious. I mean, it yeah. really is. It, but you know what I found out too, Chris, and I was reading a little of this to you earlier, so you've heard this already, and I'm not going to take time to read all of this, but I found a public, you know, that was the evolutionist. Those are people who don't believe in yeah, God. Yeah. But, you know, this idea that the, that the white race is superior to the black or other races has even permeated God's own people. And I found a, an article written, and many of you who are listening will know the name Foy E. Wallace. He was a hero among Churches of Christ sure was. Uh, less than 100 years ago. And in a publication called Bible Banner, March 1941, there was an article by Wallace, and he was writing about the intermingling of the races and it's the the prejudice and the and just the 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 blind racist notions that he presents there were shocking me. I never I never knew that this was so. Let me read just and a th- part. And this is from a, a publication called Bible Banner, okay. March 1941. Foy E. Wallace writing. Uh, the title of the article was Negro Meetings for White People. And he says, the manner in which the brethren in some quarters are going in for the Negro meetings leads one to wonder whether they are trying to make white folks out of the Negroes or Negroes out of the white folks. The trend of the general mix-up seems to be toward the latter. Reliable reports have come to me of white women, members of the church, becoming so animated over a certain colored preacher as to go up to him after a sermon and shake hands with him, holding his hand in both of theirs. That kind of thing will turn the head of most white preachers and sometimes affect their conduct, and anybody ought to know that it will make fools out of the Negroes. For any woman in the church to go so far to forget her dignity and to lower herself so, just because a Negro has learned enough about the gospel to preach it to his race, is pitiable indeed. Her husband should take her in charge unless he has gone crazy too. In that case, somebody ought to take the both of them in charge. Can you imagine that? It's just shocking to me. Um, then he quotes N.B. Hardiman, another hero right, another of Churches of Christ. Right. And uh, he, he, he says, when N. B., this is Wallace, Foy E. Wallace, writing about N.B. Hardiman. He said, when N.B. Hardiman held the valley-wide meetings at Harlingen, Texas, some misguided brethren brought a group of Negroes up to the front to be introduced to shake hands with him. Brother Hardiman told them publicly that he could see all of the colored brethren he cared to see on the outside after services and that he could say any, Everything to them that he wanted to say without the formality of shaking hands. I think he was right. He told of a prominent brother in the church who went wild over the Negroes and so on. It goes. He, uh, Wallace writes, in one of my own meetings, a young Negro preacher was engaged by the church as a janitor. He made it a point to stand out in the vestibule of the church building to shake hands with the white people. When I insisted that it be discontinued, some of the white brethren were offended. Such as this proves that the white brethren are ruining the the Negroes and defeating the very work that they should be sent to do, that is, preach the gospel to the Negroes, their own people. Uh, that, that, that just it, it, I, I was shocked. I, I've lost all respect for Wallace and Hardiman. That's right. And, and these are men that you, you have to have held in high esteem for years. Hardiman was, uh, was certainly not a coward when it came to defending the truth against denominational error. And Foy Wallace is credited, along with Roy E. Cogdell, with rooting out premillennialism in the Lord's Church. And uh, j- just uh, essentially the two of them single-handedly doing it. And, and now you, you find out... That they they held to these ideas, you know. I mentioned to you off the air earlier about um, a view that David Lipscomb held that uh, back in the days when David Lipscomb and J.D. Tant were uh, some prominent names, there were a lot of one cup churches, and uh, there, there still are some, but not not near to the degree that there are today that there were then rather. And uh, and and brother Lipscomb 
uh, held to the idea when asked, what do you do in, in our one cup churches where a, a black brother comes in? Uh, how do you handle that? And, and Brother Lipscomb wrote a letter to the church and said that what you do in a, case, in, a, in a case like that is you serve the white brethren first, and then when the white brethren have drunk from the cup, you serve the, the, the black brother at the end of the, of, the, of the service. And when I expressed that in, in disgust to an older brother a few years ago, he just tried to pacify me and say, well, Chris, you just need to understand the times in which he lived, that this is how people thought. Well, the times in which a man lives and the things that he thinks are not the authority for what's and right it's and not wrong. the excuse for sin. That's right. And if, if a thing is wrong now by way of sin or transgression of the law of God, it was wrong then. And just because uh, they didn't give much thought to that sort of thing back then does not justify their ignorance. You know, yeah, that's so, exactly right. Let, let me read just a concluding couple sentences from this article by Foy Wallace. It just amazed me. Sure. He said, uh, if any of the if any of the white brethren get worked up over what I have said and want to accuse me of being jealous of Negro preachers, I will just tell them now that I don't even want to hold a meeting for any bunch of brethren who think that any Negro is be, is a better preacher than I am, so that we can just call that arrangement off before it starts in the meeting too. For E. Wallace, you know Paul says in Romans twelve and verse three, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. And that doesn't sound very sound to me, and, and it certainly doesn't sound like Brother Wallace was following the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Sounds like he's thinking way more highly yeah, of right. himself. You know, yeah, that's right. I'm not jealous of these guys or anything like that. You know, just it is this is not what preaching the gospel is about. It's not what Christianity is about. Living a life uh, that is considered, as the Bible calls it, the life of God, is not one that is is constantly comparing yourself to another individual to see how much better you are than they are. Uh, that That is just not the call of the Christian. That's exactly right. Get in on this discussion. You can email us at questions at collegeview.com. Remember, questions at collegeview, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call. We'll try to get you on the air with us, 877 381 Four five six seven. We'd love to hear from you. I'd like to get your input on this. What? Let me ask you these questions again. Send us an answer. What do you think? Now we've just we've just been describing some of this gross racism, absolutely, um, among the among evolutionists, mm-hmm. but also among Christians, among members of the Lord's Church. Just rank racism. If you were to confront one of them and say, you know, Brother Foy E. Wallace, you're just dead wrong on that, and you need to repent. What argument? What biblical argument? Now, Foy Wallace was a scholar. You're going, sure to, was. you're going to have to use Bible That's right. to convince him yeah. otherwise. What argument would you use to convince someone like that that they are in error? We want to hear from you. Send us an email or give us a phone call. We'll be right back after this break. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to 
to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back, and we want you to join us on the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're out there listening, but we want you to participate, too. Send us an email or give us a phone call as we talk about the important Bible subject of racism. And uh, we've seen some real evidence that it exists, Chris. It's really out there. Uh, what arguments are we going to make against it? Uh, give me give me one, and then we'll look at some emails here. Okay, an, an argument to, to show that racism is, is wrong or right. sinful. Right. Um, well, every Christian should, should be able to... Uh, make that determination on the basis of several passages, not the least of which is what we refer to as the golden rule. Uh, Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, In everything, therefore, treat others the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, I know, although I'm, I don't suppose I've been the victim of racism, I, I'm almost sure that I can say with confidence that the one on the receiving end of racism is not a happy camper. And then, then, therefore, the one dishing out the racism is certainly not considering the words of the Lord from Matthew 7, 12, uh, that treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Uh, I have seen racism in my time, probably not nearly as bad as it existed during the fight for the civil rights and all. But I don't suppose that I would want to trade places with anyone who is receiving racism as a way of, of, of regular treatment. So Matthew seven twelve to me, would, would just that, utterly kill it. That's right. Just the so-called golden rule ought mm -hmm. to be enough. Let me read a couple of emails here. Rhonda from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, writes, Acts 17, verse 26. You alluded to this earlier, Chris. From one man, every nation was made. Right. Uh, there would be a good argument. James 2 uh, discusses showing partiality. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's right. another good argument. We might get a little more detail of that passage in a minute. God sending Christ to die for all mankind and does not want any to perish would be another argument. You know, if I might interrupt on yeah. that and say that the, the folks like Foy Wallace and N.B. Hardeman, based on their words, taught a form of figurative predestination. If you, if you consider that, you know, um, that, that he did well, maybe not quite that drastic, but uh, there were some who would have felt like, well, we don't need to preach to those people. You know, we just need to preach to the white man. That's kind of a figurative predestination. Even God though, it's almost like the idea God chose among the races and he right. favored the white yeah. and not the black. Yeah, absolutely. But, but Rhonda goes on here to say, you will not find anywhere in the Bible that God distinguishes one nation or person from another based on anything to do with outward appearance. Nations and people were punished based upon behavior, not physical attributes. Absolutely. First Samuel 16 verse 7 is an excellent commentary on how God sees mankind versus how man sees mankind. You remember that's the episode where Samuel was sent to anoint the king who would replace Saul. Mm -hmm. And Jesse's sons were brought. All of them were brought. You know, and no, none of these are. Uh, one was heading, uh, one was, uh, uh, 
Uh, in verse 6, he brought uh, the son named Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I think it's a good verse. So we appreciate Rhonda for bringing that verse Absolutely. to our attention. Um, got an email from a friend, uh, Randy, in Jackson, Missouri. Randy writes, uh, uh, here's, here's an argument. Revelation 7 verse 9. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Randy adds, we will spend eternity side by side, arm in arm with people of every race. We might as well start modeling that now. That's right. <laughs> Pretty good point. That's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Randy, for that. We appreciate it. And then one more. This is a little longer. May not get to all of this, but our friend Jack down in, in Atlanta, Georgia writes, I think that everyone needs to understand that racism is a sin, plain and simple. It is a tool of the devil to take our eyes away from God and focus on the differences in culture and skin color. One culture or race is not above another. All of us will face judgment for what we have done, and all of us now have a chance for salvation. We have no right to make distinctions where God does not. In the Old Testament and New Testament, people of all cultures and hues in the Middle East interacted with one another in trade, commerce, and other activities. When can... uh we can't acknowledge differences in cultures, race, cultures, language, and skin color, but one is not greater than the other. In other words, it's not wrong to acknowledge that there are differences, but sure. what's wrong is to say one's greater than the other. I agree right. with Jack's conclusion there. Uh, let's see. He says the struggle for civil rights and equality were necessary to bring about God's standards for human beings to treat each other with love and respect. I am sure that those who grew up in a time when racism and segregation were the norm now understand that it was wrong. If any participated in it and showed malice toward those of a different race, then they have an ob- obligation to repent of that sin. Uh, if they were Christians at the time and if they became Christians later on, those sins were washed away like anyone else. So uh, I think Jack's got some good points there, too. And I don't think Jack would object to me saying that he is a black man writing from that perspective there. Sure. You know, you know, one of the things that... Um when I when I see these emails, when I hear these emails being read, when I, you know, um, when we're having this discussion, part part of this is encouraging, and part of it is discouraging because I know for a fact that there are brethren, and I mean by that members of the Church of Christ, um, I know for a fact that there are brethren out there who disagree with us that they they believe. Um, that it would be sinful to interact with different races in a certain way, um, and and they view them as um, and, and these relationships as disgusting and whatnot. And as our brother talked about the uh, racism being a tool of the devil, uh, there's no question about that. So the, the the encouraging part is that we can have this discussion and we can expose the error that is uh, that is racism, the sin that is racism. But the discouraging thing about it is I know for a fact that there are brethren who who would disagree um, with excuse, excuse me. That's right, that's right, that's right. I know for a fact that there are brethren who would disagree um, with me and with you on you know what is authorized and what is right and what is acceptable as far as our relationships with, with the different races. And and I'm hoping that we can get some of them to speak and, and to just say where we're wrong. Tell us where we're wrong about this. How do we know that God intended there to be a separation of races and uh, things of that nature? Um, and so th- th- this, you know, e- either we are right or we are wrong. 
and this is what, what we're after. Yeah, and here. if you disagree with the conclusion, we, we've stated a pretty positive conclusion already that we think racism is wrong. Absolutely. That, that, that there's no, not a shred of Bible evidence that would, that would justify favoring one race over another and that God does not and that we should not and to do so would be sinful. And if we're wrong about that, you need to tell us so, sure. and we'll leave the lines open That's for right. you. We'll move, as, as they some, sometimes say on talk radio, Chris, we'll yeah. move you to the head we'll of the line. Move you to the head of the line. Yeah. That's right. We we'll got a call coming in right now. <laughs> I believe Janice is on the line. Let's see if we can get her with us on the line. Hello, Janice. Yeah. yeah. You're on with us on the virtual Bible study. Thanks for calling. Sure. What, what, what comment do you have to make? I just wanted to hear it addressed. Uh, I'm looking at the common logic in all of this, and that I live here in the state of Tennessee, and there have been so many people to move into this area, and how disappointed that they are. They can't find uh, a congregation of several uh, different ethnic backgrounds. We're so far behind in that. And do we honestly think there's a black heaven, a white heaven, a Mexican heaven? Whatever. I, I think that's a great question, Janice. And I'm, uh, I've been living in Tennessee a long time, but I'm, like you, I am discouraged by the fact that there's still a, a sort of an unofficial segregation, even among Christians. You know that the blacks stay in certain congregations and the whites stay stay in other, and there's not any much mixing there. And that's a that's a disappointing thing to me. Now it's not been so everywhere that I've been, but it is uh, very often the case. And and uh, I, I think it's so absolutely unnecessary. And I hope that that can be changed. It really needs to be. And you know, and to get away from the fact that we're afraid of our children to. Uh, mix with one another and everything because, you know, we're putting stipulations and guidelines where God has not placed any rules or guidelines, and we need to just learn to love one another as Christians and forget about all that other stuff. I think you're exactly right, Janice, and I appreciate you bringing that to our attention. Because mm, I enjoy my culture. I enjoy the way we worship, but I also enjoy other cultures and, and their manner of worship, and we need to learn to embrace that. I, I, I agree with you. I, as one of our other Emailers said earlier in the program, it, we can we can acknowledge that there are differences in culture, but to to try to take the position that one is superior to the other, there's where we get into a problem. Yeah, that's true. Well, Janice, thanks for calling. How did you find out about the virtual Bible study? One of my coworkers' um, sons is a minister, and she had encouraged me to tune in tonight. Great, great. We're glad that you did. Hope you'll keep listening to the virtual Bible study. I certainly will. Thank you, Janice. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, that's kind of interesting there, that, and I think brings up a point that is a reality, uh, especially in these parts, many places in uh, in this country. There are places where even though we try to acknowledge that these separations are not scriptural, not not authorized, right. it still happens. Yeah, it does, and I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, what the method would be, or the, uh, the the formula to to get past it. Besides what our what our uh, listener uh, and caller points out that you know we we've got to love one another. We've got to, especially when we're brethren, we've got to love one another and get past this fear of of uh, well, uh, what if we uh, mix up our assemblies a little bit and we have more of one race than we do of another uh, coming in, and uh, now our children are going to interact, and, and what if they end up dating for pity's sake? What are we going to do now? And you know, th- those kind of things are just uh, nothing but fear. 
and uh, and and they are uns- unsubstantiated fears and certainly unscriptural fears and we've got to get past that and find some way uh, to work together and in in mind when we talk about the manner of our worship we want to make sure that while there are different cultures and and uh, and and different manners about us that we hold to the pattern of what true worship is uh, we can agree on that no right. I know in other words the truth of God's word cuts cr- across cultural lines right we can agree about how God ought to be worshiped and we sure. can and we can worship together in peace and unity Absolutely. by following the teaching of God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, some other thoughts along the lines of biblical arguments, Chris, that would argue against racism. Philippians 2, verse 3, Paul says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Notice he didn't say let, it, let each white man esteem him the other white men. Right. No, he said he he, no. he made no distinction there. No, no, and it's, and it's a very generic statement, but then very specific. It is specific to every Christian, but generic across the lines of race. Exactly right. Uh, what else? What else can you come up with? Chris? Well, I would say Galatians three twenty eight. Um, when when you consider that you know here's Paul dealing with. Uh, the fact that we're sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus, he then qualifies. Uh, he qualifies what that is. When you when you say that you're a child of God by faith, how is that possible? How do I become a son of God by faith? Well, verse 27 says, for as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's your explanation for how we're sons of God by faith. Then verse 28, for there is neither Jew nor Greek. Now, those were, were two different uh, classifications of people there. And, and not to mention the fact that they seem to have problems with one another as early as the first century. You know, they, especially the Jewish Christians, they, they did not appreciate the Gentile Christians very much and wanted to bring them under subjection to a law that didn't exist anymore. But there were, there were certainly problems there. I don't know if I could just limit it to racial problems, but there certainly were cultural issues and, and problems among races. And, and the fact is, in Christ, notice he says, you are all one in Christ, and if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. And, and that, to me, should settle the issue for any skeptic who does not seem to get the fact that in Christ, when one is in Christ, he has all of the spiritual blessings that are in Christ, whether he be black, white, Chinese, Canadian, whatever. Well, you know, Paul was writing there a lot about the Jew-Gentile controversy and, right. and, and sort of the strife that existed in the early church between Jew and Gentile. And he was addressing that was an ethnic question mm-hmm. those people came from different ethnicities and he's saying it doesn't exist it's it's you're all one there should be no distinction and no difference so you know someone might say ah the bible doesn't even address this subject oh it absolutely does it sure does absolutely yeah. and, and again how many times have we established in previous shows w- w- with various different subjects that the bible doesn't have to specifically address a thing to address it you know, it addresses it by necessary inference. It can address a thing generically, as we have noted a number of times. Matthew 7:12 will generically get the job done on this thing. Exactly right. We're going to take another break, but when we get back, we want to hear from you. You can call us uh, at 877-93. I keep doing that. I'm giving the air. I'm going to code. write this down for I'm you. I have to write 877-381-4567. it down. 877-381-4567. You might recognize that voice who just said that. Chris is our uh, uh, professional radio announcer voice <laughs> on our promos, and uh, that is the number, 877-381-4567, or email us, questions at collegeview.com. We're going to be back, and we want to hear from you right after this. Are you listening? 
There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back. Are you? Hi, my name is Mike Smith, and I'm a member of the College of Church of Christ on Hampshire Pike. Let me ask you some questions. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected they thus saved the Lord? Can you remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't always, doesn't always approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? We're still trying to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit us soon at the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back. I think we had a little dead air there, Chris. You know that's a bad oh, thing. Oh, that's a bad thing. That's a no-no. <laughs> yeah, I think we had it. But we're back, and we're live, and we want you to join in to our discussion tonight. We're discussing, uh, I think, a really important subject, and I think we're getting some good feedback from you that you agree with us, this subject of racism. What do you think? And, and how would you approach someone who had a problem with racial prejudice, what would you do? How would you answer them? Uh, that's our discussion tonight. We've got another caller on the line. Connie is joining us. Let's go to Connie. Hello, Connie. Hello. Are you there? Yes. You're live with us on the virtual Bible study. Thanks for calling. Hi. Thank you so much. I just wanted to call in. I was a little concerned and saddened uh, by what I'm hearing. Uh, go ahead. Being a uh, person who has been on the opposite end of of racism. Uh, it really concerns me, uh, and I also see this, that we really need to go to God in prayer. And I will be praying very hard for this because it's a tool of Satan to further divide us, uh, to not to come together. Uh, we were raised to fellowship with everyone, and we weren't taught to look at people as far as color was concerned. The only thing that we knew was Jesus and him crucified in our home. And that's what our parents taught us, and they fellowshiped with everyone. So to hear what I'm hearing in 2007 really puts, makes my heart very heavy at this time. And well, now, let, before you go further, let me make sure that you understand what we're saying. We're, we're, we're in agreement with you that these things are absolutely horrendous, and anybody who takes this view is just wrong from a biblical point of view. You understand that that's the position we're taking. Right, I understand that. But to even hear that, and I'm glad that uh, now uh, it's, it's right out there in the forefront now, and it's being addressed. But it's sad that it has had to come to this uh, format to even hear it over the Internet uh, where the world is hearing us uh, airing our dirty laundry. And we have to deal with this when we should have been dealing with these things uh, years before this. Well, um, well I, think you're, I think you're right, Connie. But, of course, all sin is dirty laundry. And any anytime, anytime we have to address a subject that's sinful, we're talking about things that are not the way God wants them to be. And so we, we could be talking about something else, not racism. We could be talking about uh, pornography on the Internet, or we could be talking about alcoholism or drug abuse or a hundred other things. It's all dirty laundry. Anything that's contrary to God's will is, is, is a sad thing to have to discuss. But it needs to be discussed, and God's truth on the subject needs to get out there so that everybody understands it. Right. And now we need to focus on dialogue and a solution and how to come together with God's Word 
he can bring us together. And if we allow his word to speak, I believe that he can bring us together. So now I believe that we need to now seriously open up dialogue now. Okay. To sit down with one another. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. In other words, we can talk about this, but the the next step beyond talking about it is to actually personally get involved in trying to do some things to make exactly. it better. Exactly. Yeah. Connie, how, how, how'd you find out about the virtual Bible study? Uh, I was, uh, someone emailed me and uh, I was able to tune in via the internet. Great, great. And We're glad that you did and we hope you'll keep listening. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Connie. Bye bye. Bye. Yeah, we appreciate Connie's thoughts about that. Very sober thoughts. Yeah, uh, I got an email here, Chris, and I think it, I think it's one that we want to try to deal with uh, because I think it, I think that people have used this as a backdoor way to try and justify racist okay. positions. Right. This question comes from Wade, and I know Wade. Wade's no racist, but he said, "I'd like for you to try to examine this argument on the show tonight regarding racism." I once heard a sermon by a denominational preacher on Genesis 9, and then he quotes Genesis 9, 20 through 29. That's the passage. I won't take time to read it all, but that's the passage where after the flood, Noah became drunk, and Ham apparently met, tried to make something of that right. and uh, disrespected his father. And it says in Genesis 9, 24, Noah awoke from his wine, knew that his younger son had done, knew what his younger son had done to him, and said, Cursed be Cain, a servant of servants, Cursed be Canaan, I'll get that straight, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brethren. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shemham, and Canaan shall be his servant. And then the question is, the argument made by this denominational preacher was that Canaan was the father of black people. What do you think about that, that, that the curse of Canaan was to be black? Well, this is yet another argument that comes down the pike, just like the mark of Cain. Uh, it has as much merit uh, as does the Mark of Cain being the origin of the black man and all of that sort well, of thing. L- the, you know, when I say merit, I'm saying that sarcastically. Right. Let, hold on right there because I was going to bring that one up too. Sure. Let's take that one off the table immediately. It's impossible that the Mark of Cain could have been anything that survives to this day. All of the descendants of Cain died in the flood. That's right. So w- we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, but... We're also all the descendants of Noah. Right. And so Cain and all of his all of the descendants of Cain died in the flood. Absolutely. There's not there's not a surviving Cain. person who has any any kinship to Cain. So we know it's not the mark of Cain. Right. Now, this argument is, well, maybe it's the mark of Canaan, who was the son of Ham, who was the son of Noah. Uh what what about that argument? I don't see I don't see the conclusion. I don't see where you could come to that conclusion at all. There's no scriptural evidence to suggest a color change or anything like that. It reminds me, although we're dealing with Hebrew to Greek now, uh, you're looking at a Hebrew text, but I could go to a Greek text where uh, Paul tells the Roman brethren to mark those who uh, are, are walking unworthy or, or who are uh, living waywardly or something along that line, who are causing dissensions and whatnot, Romans 16, 17. And, and certainly... You know, whatever that mark was uh, could very well have been just a simple understanding by way of identification, uh, a mental identification even. Uh, that could could very well be the case with, with uh, Canaan. I don't see that there's enough uh, evidence here to draw a conclusion as to what physically this was. I don't think that – and I don't think that uh – Anthropologically, I don't think you could go back and prove that 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 that, mm-hmm. that these people would have been the origin of the of the black race. 
There's just no Bible for that. That's that's pure and absolute unfounded speculation. But people have done that for a long time. Wade's question only reminds me of what I myself have also heard that that suggestion. Sure. There's just no basis. So let's ask let's ask the question then. Not just black and white, but where? I mean, black and white's not the only races. That's in the right. World. That's where where right. did the other races come Absolutely. from? Absolutely. You know, and I if I could give any Bible speculation about that at all, I would relate it to. The Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Mm-hmm. We remember that after the flood, God had told men to go and populate the earth. And apparently there was some effort to avoid doing that. And men began to build a tower uh, and and they were going to use it as a focal point to keep themselves together. God wanted them to separate. He wanted the earth to be populated and so it says uh, in verse 7, Genesis 11, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel. I think it's, I think it's logical to assume that as, as different groups scattered from the Tower of Babel, that those that there was some commonality toward the group that headed east there was some commonality toward the group that headed north there was some commonality sure. toward the group that, and they began to inter intermarry within mm-hmm. that group and therefore certain traits became predominant in the ones that headed east Absolutely. certain traits became predominant genetic traits became predominant in the ones that headed south north northwest whatever right, right. and so that the races developed simply by the natural effect of genetic predominance prevailing within the groups that that migrated away from the Tower of Babel where God scattered them. Sure. And there's not any indication in that 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 therefore makes one better than the other. Absolutely not. And that and that idea, while it it, it uh, tends to exist, you know, in 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 some races it exists in a minority of the people in in another race and i think particularly the white race the idea of superiority exists in a majority of the people um the 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 problem with that is that uh, you know the 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 other races by and large don't typically view themselves as superior or inferior they are simply trying to do the best they possibly can in life but it is it is amazing that uh, it is it is this particular race, and we wonder why that uh, that they simply have this innate need, it seems, to dominate all other races, and and sometimes in an extremist way they'll try to pervert a passage like Genesis uh, nine or in other in other cases Genesis four, the Mark of Cain. Although you have completely destroyed that, they still want to try to to build a doctrine. By misconstruing these passages, it reminds me exactly what Peter said about some who uh, rest the scriptures to their own destruction. Exactly right. You know, uh, the idea of a of a superior race that's caused a lot of problems in sure the history of the has. world. It sure has. You know, e- even within the lifetime of many people who are probably listening tonight. You know, Adolf mm-hmm. Hitler had yeah. the idea of a of a superior race. Sure. And look at the grief and the and the misery and the horrible trauma that he brought upon the earth because well, of... Well, you know what, and, and I don't want to get into a history lesson here, but in some ways his desire to have a superior race ended up being his downfall because he uh, he miscalculated some things, but that's that's another lesson. Uh, the, the, the bottom line is, as you say, though, that kind of thinking got men into trouble, and uh, not only did it get them into trouble in, in a uh, physical conflict, but it got them into trouble 
uh, before the Lord. You know that on the basis of the fact that this attitude that is back of racism, this attitude that is behind that, uh, is no way, uh, in any way, shape, or form, pleasing or glorifying to the Lord. If if I'm to do everything by his authority, Colossians 3.17, and if I'm to conduct my affairs in such a way that men see my good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven, then I have to rid myself of all that kind of thing that would hinder the cause of truth and the uh, not only the cause of truth but the perme- uh, the, the uh, um, perpetuation of the kingdom of Christ. There you go. And, and racism will certainly not contribute to the perpetuation of the kingdom of Christ. We got a phone call, and the caller doesn't want to go on the air, but suggests that we mention Numbers twelve. Okay, uh, Chris, where Aaron and Miriam complained against Moses, who had married an Ethiopian woman. That's right. And and they, uh, Miriam was struck with leprosy. Uh, there was there was some obvious prejudice involved there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think probably the reason that that she she was struck with leprosy was more so that she had spoken against God's chosen leader. Right. But the right. reason she did was because she had a prejudice in her heart toward the woman he had married. Right. Absolutely. And that's something that people don't deal with. It's like they forget this all of a sudden. They forget that Moses was married to an Ethiopian, and that this marriage was approved by the Lord. And if this marriage is approved by the Lord, it had to be not on the basis of anything other than the fact that Moses had a scriptural right to this woman and she had a scriptural right to him it was approved by the lord and you notice that the approval here is along the lines of one thing and not the other that is it is along the lines of gender and not along the lines of race the man is always commissioned if he should marry to cling to his wife there is never a regulation on race when it comes to that relationship okay we're going to take our final break when we come back from this break we'd love to hear from you give us a call 877-381-4567 or email us at questions at collegeview.com when we get come back we'll go to the top of the hour and we'd love to hear from you we've got plenty of time give us a call we'll be right back after this after these important messages we'll be back to take your comments email them during this break I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back for the final 15 minutes of the virtual Bible study. Plenty of time for you to get in here. Give us a call, 877-381-4567, or email us at questions at collegeu.com. Chris, take it away. Uh, you know, we were just talking about Moses and, and his wife, who was an Ethiopian, and the problem that, uh, that not that God had with it, but that his brother and his sister had with it. Um, 
you know, that is is a problem in the minds of many today. They they say that, well, well you know, God forbids intermarrying. Or I'm marrying. not racist, but I sure that's, don't that's think right. it's right for a white man it, to marry a black that, woman or a black that, man to marry a white yeah, woman. That is exactly uh, But right. I'm not racist. That's right. They'll start that that preface and you know uh oh here we go uh you know when that when they start with now i'm not a racist you you can just about be sure that what they're about to say is a racist comment but, but a lot of folks will point me to deuteronomy 7 to show that god did not want his children to marry uh, other races now let's look at deuteronomy 7 for just a moment and here in deuteronomy 7 this is this is commandments that are given to the people of israel with reference to the fact that they are going to take canaan on down the road here. They are wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and the time is coming, and very quickly, that they should take the land of Canaan, as God promised Abraham that he would have and his descendants would have this land. And in, uh, in Deuteronomy 7, verse 3, we read, Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. And it is like folks have found a sugar stick verse. They stop right there and never read on. Now, notice here, number four, verse four here. Remember, let's pick up again in verse three where we just left off. He says that you shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. Now, what I want you to tell me, Greg, in verse four is when he says four, right off the bat, what's he mean? What is he suggesting? He starts off with four. That is a word that refers back to what he's just said by way of explanation. He's now going to expand upon that idea. He says, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. The concern was not race. The concern was the foreign people, the Gentiles, who were idolatrous, that they not intermarry with them and essentially have an emotional attachment to them because they would turn their hearts away from serving the one true and living God. That was his concern. It wasn't about race. There's no mention of race in there. That's right. It was about their practices, what was going on. And the same could be said when you go back to Ezra and you notice how that some of the Israelites had married foreign women. And remember, they had children by these women, and God commanded them to divorce those women in in the end of Ezra 10. But there's something I want you to key on there, and that is they were foreign women, not necessarily a racial issue, but what do we find out about these foreign individuals, that they were Gentiles, they were idolatrous. King Solomon had married foreign. Even women. wise Solomon couldn't. And, and couldn't. what happened to him yeah. when he married these foreign women? They yeah. turned his heart away. You know, you know, Chris. Really, that argument would be far more effective in arguing that Christians should be careful about marrying non-Christians. That's it, right. It would have That's application right. there. Absolutely, it would right. have an application there. But it has no, no application in this matter of inter- interracial marriage. Absolutely, Chris. Let me read an email from someone I know, and I'm not going to give the name, sure. but it is a personal note about that very sort of thing. This person writes, "I'm hesitant to be so personal, but being an an interracial couple, black and white, has obviously made race something we've had to deal with, perhaps more frequently than some have." I can't think of one specific positive incident that comes immediately to mind as much as the fact of the people in our lives who have accepted us because of us, despite our relationship not being the social norm. In other words, she says that's a positive thing. Sure. She's got good friends, good brethren who've, who've accepted them. This especially stands out when contrasted with those who do not accept us. For instance, most of the people at the congregations we've been at treat us as they should, But we know of a few who have left because of not wanting to worship with a darkie. Yes, that's the word that one person used. They must be, she goes on to say, they must be going to white heaven. (laughs) On the white side, there are some relatives who no longer 
have anything to do with me because of this relationship. Mm-hmm. Some are the same people who frequently use the word, the N word in private. And the unfortunate thing is that they are Christians, one even being a deacon in the church. However, I can contrast them with the white aunt who said, well, he must be a really good man for her to marry him because I know she wouldn't settle for less. That aunt is not a Christian, but she judged according to the way that God judges based upon character and not appearance. Uh, could go on with examples like that. But again, I think the most positive thing is the people, and fortunately there are quite a few, both Christian and non-Christian, who just don't treat us any differently because of skin colors. Sometimes it seems that more than black and white, the way our society treats Hispanics is becoming more of an issue. If not careful, we're easy to see them as less than uh, us, especially if we perceive their status as illegal, not endorsing breaking the law, but do we view them with the compassion that Christ would? I, I take that admission to heart. I, I, I do think that. That, that we need to be careful. I mean, there's this whole question of legal and illegal immigration. That's a political question. Right, right. But we have to be careful not, you know, we've pretty much focused on the black-white race issue. We've got to be careful that we don't develop a racist attitude toward Hispanics. That's become more, that's becoming, that could potentially become a greater problem in our lifetime than the black-white thing. I think that the Hispanics provide a greater minority in America now than blacks do. Right. And so we're going to have to really work on maintaining a Christian disposition in those matters. Well, you know, you're right. But for some reason, I get the impression in, in my everyday relationships that the problem that that uh, the white people seem to have, uh, even our white brethren, is still predominantly with those of a darker skin color. Yes, there are some white people and brethren uh, uh, also who have a problem with, with Hispanics and with Asians and whatnot. But it seems like those are always lower on the totem pole when you begin to talk about racist issues. Uh, it always ends up being, uh, you could just hear this guy saying something like this. Well, what if your daughter goes out here and marries a black man or something like that? It's never, what if your daughter goes out and marries a Hispanic? So while you're, you're right that we need to be careful about the views we have towards all races, Hispanics, which are becoming a greater minority, it, it just appears to me that that has not become uh, the, the, uh, the predominating thought in the racist man's heart. He still is... is uh, having problems with those who are just darker in skin color than Hispanics are. Yeah. Let me give it. Let me give and I don't know why. I don't know what his problem is. I don't know what the problem is on the basis of appearance. But, you know, you mentioned in your email there that uh, this this uh, this lady who wrote about that and uh, talked about her aunt judging on, on, the, uh, on the content of the character, not the, the appearance of the man. This is exactly what Jesus said in John 7, 24, when he commissioned his people, do not judge according to appearance. But judge with righteous judgment, and that's the kind of judgment that the Christian has to have. You just can't, you just can't neglect your responsibility to make that kind of a judgment with righteous judgment. Exactly right. Let me quickly get to uh, a couple of emails here, Chris. Before our time's up, uh, we read some from our friend Jack in Atlanta. Let me give a couple more comments he had. He talks about uh, many people still harbor ill feelings toward any interracial couple they see. We've just been talking about mm-hmm. that. God has not prohibited these marriages, and neither should we. If someone has any qualms about that type of marriage scenario, they will need to go to God in prayer and ask forgiveness for their sin because it will surely keep them out of heaven. And then another comment from Jack, and this is in a separate email. Let me get to this real quick. He said, uh, when good men do nothing, I think that those who see racism around them, by way of jokes, insults, etc., and do nothing, are allowing it to keep going on. It's up to righteous people to stand up against those who are racist and point out their error. 
not in a way to ridicule, but to show them the truth and lead them to what God approves of. I think that's a good point, Chris. It's not enough for me to say, well, I'm I'm going to do my best personally, right. not to say or act in racist ways, right. not to not to use expressions that would have. Sure. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything to anybody else about it. Yeah, that the, you know that's that's holding back part of the truth, isn't it? You know, Paul said it, it I, is. That's Paul right. said I, I, I preached the whole counsel of God. Yeah, yeah. I held back nothing that nothing. was profitable. Mm-hmm. So if we're gonna if we're gonna really take a stand for truth, then we'll speak out against that sin like any well, other. Especially if the sin is committed by a brother. You know, if your brother sins, you're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to take that issue up with him. And uh, you know, it 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 is just amazing that. Uh, like I say, that we we know from the fact that we have private conversations all the time with people. They're brave enough to speak up in these private conversations about their prejudicial feelings toward one of a different race. But where have they been tonight? Why you know these ones who are so bold to my face? Why have they not been on this internet broadcast tonight? Where are they? We know they're out there. We know they want to make a point. But when when they are faced with being challenged for what they on what they believe on the basis of what the scriptures teach, you know, where are the men who will bravely say their position as Hoy Wallace was saying when he wasn't being opposed by anybody? Yeah. Come on this program and express these positions that you have and don't be hiding in the corner somewhere. If you're if you're scared that your position is wrong, then just repent of that and and start embracing what the scriptures teach. You know, but I have these people that talk to me regularly. They're bold to my face, and they they have a real seething hatred for these different races. But they're not on this program tonight. Yeah, where are they? You know, and I think you're exactly right. And you know, uh, as you say, they probably wouldn't want to come out of the woodwork to to openly expose their mm-hmm. views to to uh, investigation. But I, I, I'm thinking a little bit on the other side of that coin, Chris. Sure. I'm grateful. That even within my own lifetime, I've seen a major change in in these matters. And, you know, it's not to say that we're where we need to be yet. There Mm -hmm. still needs to be more improvement in the way people think about fellow human beings. I I, I know that that's the case. That that improvement needs to keep coming. But I think we can and should be grateful that a lot of people are seeing the way it's supposed to be. And a lot of change for the positive has been made. And and, uh, I think we can be grateful for that and commend the good where we see that it has happened. Absolutely, yeah. Got a got an email uh, from Greenwood, Indiana, and it says, "Would not do unto others as you would have them do unto you." Fit into this discussion where everyone is equal to, in this regard. We must understand others and ourselves before we can make a judgment. You brought this point up right at the start of the program, Chris, and I think that, you know, that that almost is a, a, a an open and shut argument, isn't it? It sure is. But you were mentioning uh, earlier wanting to make a point from uh, Acts chapter ten. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Christians, we want we we're trying to uh, emulate our master, our Lord and Master. We want to be more godlike in our uh, attitudes and characteristics. And in Acts 10, of course, that's a very significant chapter because that's where the kingdom of Christ was opened up to Gentiles to come in. All men are mm-hmm. welcome. Mm-hmm. And in that regard. Peter, when he went to the house of Cornelius, said in Acts 10:34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Well, what about God? Is God racist? He certainly is not. And if we're going to be like God, then we're going to be no respecter of persons. There's just no doubt about that. That's, that's a very clear passage. In James 2, we alluded to James 2 earlier. 
But it says in James 2, verse 9, if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. You can't have respect to persons and be pleasing to God. It just can't be done. Well, that's right. And if we're going to be like our Father, we're going to have to have those attributes and be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Exactly right. Well, we're just out of time. Chris, thanks for being with us tonight. It was a pleasure, and it's it's kind of a paradox. It, it's it's always good to talk about the scriptures. It's always tough to talk about something like this. Yeah, and one of our callers said, you know, this is dirty laundry. Well, it is it's unfortunate dirty laundry, but you don't you don't correct problems of dirty laundry by ignoring them right. or by sweeping it under the rug or you get it out in the open, talk about it. And as you said, Chris, if if there are people out there disagreeing, and you got to believe there are, come on. Come right. on, let's talk about it. You right. know, if, if we've misrepresented the scriptures or if we've taken a view that's not true to the word of God, we want to know that. Absolutely. And we would invite that. But uh, we believe that we've hit upon the truth, that God is not a respecter of persons and neither should we be. And so I, I think it's important. So, Chris, thanks for coming and thanks for suggesting this topic. I think it's been a great one. Well, thank you. And thanks again to the elders here at College for the opportunity. All right. Well, we're going to be back next Thursday night, Lord willing. Hopefully, Jacob will be back here at the controls. And uh, uh, but, No dead air. Uh, no more dead air. <laughs> Sorry for that. But uh, we look forward to you joining us again next week, Lord willing, same time, same place for the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. Until that time, keep reading your Bible, study it, live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ.